end. So at this time, we make a transition, don't we? Yes, we do. And uh, there are the sounds we're looking for. It is time for Straight Talk, the uh, session during uh, Real Presence Live when you have the opportunity to ask us questions about the faith, about particular things that uh, you're wondering about. 877-795-0122 is the number to call. You can also log on to Facebook and leave a question, and we're more than happy to uh, to, to, to tackle those for you. You know, I, I think um, I, w- I would like to address, the, there's this uh, caller, I don't know if they're on air or not, uh, it doesn't say that they're, they're on the line right now, but... Um, so they, they have some real questions here just regarding what, what happens. And maybe I'll just give a brief overview for the listeners who are out Please. there. Um, so what would happen, here, here's just a typical thing that would happen. Let's say Father Gross or I, a couple comes and it's time to do marriage prep. And at the, at the, uh, that's about a six-month process. At the appropriate time when there's trust established between the priest and the couple, you, you begin to talking about more of the intimate things that deal with marriage. Um, I, I can kind of break it down to three main things is, is you know, top three reasons for divorce or um, money, sex, and God. So if you have a strong spiritual relationship, if you have a, a strong uh, communication relationship in your sexual relationship, and if you're, um, if you're balancing your checkbook, you'll probably have a pretty decent or healthy marriage. At the heart of the communication has to do with your sexuality. And so uh, what, what will happen in that process will, you know, turn to the couple and we're, we're going to introduce them to natural family planning. Now, th- there's a lot of pressure right now in the modern world about uh, sexual things and, and telling couples that, you know, um, hey, just, uh, you know, be on the pillar. There's, there's various other methods of, of controlling uh, fertility nowadays. Um, but basically to come in and talk about how the emphasis on natural, meaning that God has given you this beautiful gift, it's it's of God and it's natural, and it's possible the couple has never heard this. And so to introduce them to that and then help them understand as man and woman were created differently and, and that, that we need to communicate in and through this, help them understand that it's not her cycle, it's their cycle, and teach the man to relate to the world through his future wife. And so engagement is appropriate time then to begin sharing the, the stories of our bodies with one another and h- how we relate. And, and so this, so a typical way of doing this would be to create this moment for the couples to help them learn at a certain time of the day, usually at nighttime or something like that, you, the husband pursues the woman, he approaches her and says, honey, will you pray with me? Context of that prayer Okay, what's our uh, what's our most fertile sign? That fertile sign is going to determine if if they were to have um, sexual relations that evening. The chances of them conceiving are very high, or maybe it's a time of the cycle where if if they did, um, they they probably it's not likely that they would conceive a child. E- either way, they together have to work together, communicating with each other emotionally, physically, psychologically, intellectually, spiritually where they are in their relationship, owning how they affect one another through that communication. So that that daily pursuing what's their most fertile sign leads the discussion where they are in bigger things. And oftentimes it's those things like the pressures of money or the, the pressures of working, pressures of children. That's where they become aware of these things that, wow, that's really affecting how we relate to each other in a sexual way. And so th- there's so much behind this. That the simple statistics are that um, those who are actually using, uh, first of all, just say in general, it's kind of a flip of a coin. There's 
it's like 48 to 52% divorce rate, just whether you're Catholic, Christian, American, just getting married. But those who are actually active in natural family planning is like a three to six percent divorce rate. So it really, it really shows that there's something to this more beyond just sexual relationship of the, the husband and wife that really keys in on on certain things. It's One of the best uh, insurance policies for the sacrament of holy matrimony. But we don't just want to speak about it in in that sort of way. Uh, but we want to talk about the fruits of it as well. So we're grateful to Josh and Jackie for that conversation. And eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number for Straight Talk, and uh, my understanding is that Jackie may have a follow-up here that uh, she was wanting to uh, to discuss with you, so we'll bring that up in just a moment. We'll also be talking about uh, sprinkling throughout the conversation, as we definitely want to hear from you, whatever questions you have, uh, to talk about the uh, significance of today's feast day of St. James the Greater, uh, referred to for a number of reasons. That way, it's a somewhat unfortunate term. We don't mean to imply that there's an inferiority. You know, James the Greater is living in a mansion in heaven and James the Less is living in a shack or something like that. Um, Acts chapter 12 tells us that James was the first of the 12 to receive uh, his eternal reward. And uh, he must have done something to get on King Herod's radar in order for, you know, in in order to die by the sword um, before even Simon Peter or or any of the others. And and I think more so than any other, with the exception of Saints Peter and Paul and their attachment to Rome, there is a definite attachment of a place uh, with both regard to pilgrimage and devotion uh, when it comes to St. James the Greater, more than any of the other apostles in particular. When you think of this uh, small city in the northwestern corner of Spain, uh, Santiago de Compostela, uh, how far that is away from Palestine, and yet that this has become a place where an ever-increasing number of pilgrims are making the Camino a pilgrimage trip uh, to that location, which can be up to hundreds of miles away for those who are most zealous about it if they start out in the Pyrenees and to the south of France and come through northern Spain. So Father Leffer and I, just before we came on the air, mentioned that neither of us have had the opportunity to be there. I certainly want to get there someday. And I think, I think you have that. a moral obligation to go because Do I really? your name, you're, you're under the patronage. <laughs> so you're, Santiago means St. James. Yes, name. absolutely. Um, so there are a number of beautiful things here. First of all, um, there are some symbols that go along with uh, St. James and the uh, the, the Camino, uh, that uh, pilgrimage walk. Uh, the scallop shell has long been a symbol. It's taken a variety of meanings. There are two particular um, versions of the story. Uh, and so it just depends upon who, you know, uh, which one you, re- ex- which one you um, uh, accept. Uh, first of all, we should say that according to legends in Spain, St. James the Greater had spent time preaching the gospel on the Iberian Peninsula, but he returned to Judea upon seeing a vision of the Virgin Mary. So, the first version of why the scallop shell is important. After James's death, his disciples shipped his body to the Iberian Peninsula, which is what we call Spain and Portugal, to be buried in what is now Santiago. Well, off the coast of Spain, a heavy storm hit the ship, and the body was lost to the ocean. After some time, however, it washed ashore undamaged, covered in scallops. So, that's the first version. No, wait, that makes me feel hungry. You mean 
Indian scallops like the oh, aren't those good? <laughs> and the second one, the second version, after James's death, his body was transported by a ship piloted by an angel back to the Iberian Peninsula to be buried in Santiago. Okay, so but here's where it gets this one gets kind of uh, interesting. As the ship approached land, a wedding was taking place on shore. The young groom was on horseback, and on seeing the ship approaching, his horse got spooked, and horse and rider plunged into the sea. Through miraculous intervention, the horse and rider emerged from the water alive, covered in seashells. Now, th- those are fantastic. I, so I'm going to throw two cents in here on this, too. So nothing like historians and, and people, archaeologists, and the, these people come along to like ruin good stories. But the um, recently we've been doing a, 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 a Bible study on actually the letter of St. James. And so this conversation came up about... Um, you know who is this saint james who wrote this letter and so we did some some research there and he's probably saint james the greater because his name appears first in the list of the apostles and if you look at the language that's a lesser and greater so it could be first and second and and then there were the times where peter james and john uh, were the only three to follow the lord is transfiguration gethsemane etc and you see in the gospel for today it's it's you know the the sons of thunder our (laughs) co-hosts that work on the sons of thunder (laughs) not the not the father waltz brothers but (laughs) james and john you know yeah they they basically want to be co-vice presidents you might (laughs) say flanking jesus on either side and what i love about that story is if you notice jesus does not reprimand them for asking where people will jump on oh who are these guys but he actually says well i wish all of you were on fire like this for and then i always look at it says he says well i can't give the right and left to you but in a way he does because james becomes the first martyr and john becomes the last one they become Mm -hmm. like the bookends of the apostles so he just kind of honor it so he doesn't want to remove the thunder he just wants to redirect it exactly and then i think you know part of it is the I think it was during the Byzantine time period, actually, that the relics were transferred to to Spain, where yes, and all of the, Europe, the ninth century yep, apparently, and all of Europe, there's a, a road sign somewhere that points to Saint Santiago de Compostela, because all the pilgrims during the Middle Ages, when they thought it was so dark and nothing was happening, all of Europe was pilgrimaging to. To St. James. And if uh, time permits, we will return to some of these uh, wonderful stories. But we do have some listener questions that have been submitted. The first one is asking, what are the offertory prayers at Mass? Uh, We can oftentimes throw that word around, assuming that people know what we're talking about. So this is the moment during the Mass for the preparation of the altar, uh, the procession of the gifts, and the uh, offering of the bread and wine that are to be consecrated into the body and blood of Christ. So that's the particular time frame uh, any uh, other details you wanted to share now, about do, that do you think you know when they say offertory that's this is the secret prayer but do you think maybe they're asking about like the prayers of the faithful or do you think this i mean i think okay you, i think you nailed it the petitions the universal prayer prayer of the faithful that that goes by a number of different names which on a sunday would follow the creed but once those prayers have been offered and the congregation is seated then there is what we call the offertory most often accompanied by a hymn uh where possible and um when that happens the priest uh, in a low voice not to be audibly heard will recite the prayers, uh, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, etc., etc. During the course of a daily Mass or without musical accompaniment, it's up to the priest's prerogative to speak them out loud or to say them silently. So that's not necessarily a hard and fast rule where it has to go one way or the other. The only reason I was asking is that then if you read the second part of the Mm -hmm. question there, that's why I was wondering if they're yeah, uh, when is the best time to offer or join ourselves with Jesus at Mass? 
and, and, and obviously there's a number of different ways to answer this, but I'll, I'll take a big picture and then maybe you could give a more intimate look in it. But the big picture answer to that is this. The entire Mass, the entire liturgy, is Jesus offering himself to the Father on our behalf to bring about this union between God the Father and the, the baptized Christians. And, and that's what that liturgical motion is about. So I would say from the very first sign of the cross, you you become one with literally we could say it this way jesus is becoming one with you the baptized christian and he is drawing you to god the father through the prayers the actions the words of the liturgy and and god the father is responding and coming back through christ to be one with you and so from that first moment and then there's obviously these different moments of the mass which you, 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 there's ways of joining yourself in a more intimate way or less intimate way with the action what's going on these different parts of it but i'd say the big picture answer to that is the whole thing is about you right in christ christ in you taking to the father the father coming back if you. we want to isolate a specific moment what first comes to my mind in terms of a formal gesture would be at the um, doxology at the conclusion of the eucharistic prayer when would the priest and the deacon and if there is a deacon assisting, uh, elevate the um, the Eucharistic species through him, with him, in him, etc. You know that prayer. That might be the most formal moment you might say where the people see that opportunity to offer themselves uh, with Jesus at Mass. But we don't want to be so exclusive as to say, well, it's only at that time. And and I think that gets to the point of what you were saying, Father Leffer. So uh, we are in our straight talk straight talk segment eight seven 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 nine five zero one is the number 877-795-0122 you can also leave questions on our facebook page and um uh also we were talking about uh, the feast of saint james the greater today another important memorial being celebrated tomorrow saints uh, joachim and anne the parents of the blessed virgin mary the grandparents of the child jesus and as i've been praying about that and thinking about that i'm thinking about grandparents um maybe a hundred years ago there was a little bit more of like an extended family feel where grandma and grandpa were always around more seamlessly and stuff and it's not quite that way in a lot of cases with a nuclear family and then the grandparents are living elsewhere but I don't know about you father I see a lot of grandparents who are really pulling a lot of weight with regard to raising grandchildren and helping them out and they receive they deserve our credit and I think especially what's coming to my, my good friend father Steve who works in the inner city of St. Louis his parishes are there or I think of my experience on the reservations where where oftentimes it's the grandmother who basically takes in all the grandchildren. And actually in Father Steve's parish, there's this one woman, everybody calls her grandma. She takes all the kids off the streets and they live in her home and she feeds them and clothes them and kind of a thing. And that just powerfully comes to my mind right now. So mm-hmm. this testimony of, of, and I personally, I attribute my own vocation. My, my grandmother, she had pictures of all her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren on her wall. She had Alzheimer's very severely, mm. but she prayed a rosary for each person each day on there. And I, I often sit there and think, I think it was the prayers of my grandmother that got yeah. my vocation straightened out for me or got me going. You know, mm. and even I, I'll feel the effect of her prayers even now in my life. Yeah, my all four of my grandparents passed away in a window of time of two and a half years from when I was a high school junior into college. And uh, I will tell people that my grandparents, my grandmothers especially, prayed me into the seminary, and then uh, from heaven they prayed me through it and into the priesthood okay so we've got straight talk going on with father james gross and father jason leffer it's 877 795 
877-795-0122. Call us. What's on your heart, your mind, your questions, your comments, concerns? We want to hear from you. Uh, we have a listener who has uh, texted in, and she says, please, can you explain to me the first reading on Monday, the Song of Songs? Now, Monday, this awesome feast, it was St. Mary um, Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. And so, obviously, the Song of Songs here. And... Uh, I guess I'm prepared to do this because I just had a wedding uh, this past weekend, and this was the reading, so okay. I can I, I can address this a little bit. So, all right. So, within the Bible, there's different um, expressions of the word. The Song of Songs you can look at as kind of a poetic expression of romantic. Love. It's a book in the Old Testament considered part of wisdom literature. So, just to kind of root people to what we're talking about. Okay, and so then in it, and a lot of people like, especially those who kind of want to make fun of of the church and think that we're old stogies and stuff like prudish. this. Prudish. Prudish will point at and say, oh, Song of Songs, how how can that possibly be inspired? How that how can that have anything to do with the church? Well, it beautifully does. And so now there's there's different layers of meaning to, to God's word always. There's different, you have the surface, then you have deeper and deeper layers of meaning. So just on the surface of, of this reading, you look there and you can see there, and it, it's the pursuit of the, the lover and the beloved, or you could say the pursuit of God and the, the one who's being loved. So you, you can think of the, the beloved there is, is a sinful humanity. Right. And lately have I loved I'm too late. Have I, you know, I, 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 I messed around with love too soon and it hurt me. And then, and then too late did I realize who my lover truly was. And then it gives this expression of, of basically God leaping across everything. Nothing, no barrier is going to keep him away from that which he has created and he loves, which is humanity, a broken, sinful humanity. Then you can actually look at it and see Jesus becoming the second person, Trinity, the Word made flesh, Jesus becoming man. He literally, you could say, is like that bride he becomes one with sinful humanity and and we see this relationship between god the father and his son as christ gets lost into death hell the sinfulness and how god the father seeks him and he's he's brought up from from the dead and the two become one right so i mean there's so many different layers and levels of meaning well monday was applied specifically to mary magdalene because her brokenness, her her sinfulness, and in spite of that, she encountered true love in Christ. And so then even his death didn't stop her from seeking him and loving, and she's rewarded by God pursuing her through her faith, committed through right. love. In chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke, there is a woman named Mary, and we could get in the details of who exactly that is, who anoints the feet of Jesus and, white, and weeps upon his feet and wipes his feet with her hair. And Jesus says of her, uh, she has loved much, therefore her many sins are forgiven so is not necessarily that yeah it's also mentioned in the gospel of luke incidentally that um a rather cryptic uh, description that seven demons had been uh, expelled out of uh, the heart of mary magdalene now take that to mean you know what you will but um we ought not to define her by that episode in her past but by her desire to love greatly which found its reward in her becoming the one who first saw the risen Christ Jesus, the apostle to the apostles, as the traditional term is given to her. I always find it's, it, to me, it's such a hopeful thing. You know, like, the, I think of St. Peter, his incredible sins, and then he becomes the faithful one who's crucified upside down, or Mary Magdalene, who was afflicted with sin, seven demons. And I, I, I see these examples of, I always, like, resist that, that desire in us to clean them up or make them better than what they were because to me that's so hopeful it's like wow if there's room for saint peter 
if there's room for Mary Magdalene, there's mm-hmm. got to be room for this Father Leffer in in that salvation, that that journey, because they they give such look look or Saint Augustine, for example, look mm-hmm. look how broken they were and the things that they were doing. And to where there's great sin, God can transform that and becomes the greatest saints, yes. right? And this this is the story of salvation. And so Mary Magdalene, man, she's powerful. She reminds me. And like you said, all these different women who are named Mary, or was it one or many? I was looking to say, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's woman, which to me means humanity. And it shows the journey from sinfulness, separation from God, to being there in the book of Revelation, the two become one. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful, so hopeful, and it's it just inspiring. And uh, Pope Francis recently elevated that memorial to a feast of Mary Magdalene, so that was an important gesture as well. 877-795-0122 is our number for Straight Talk. We have a few minutes left to go, so uh, get those calls and questions into us right away, if you would, please. So so we had Josh and Jackie Gao on uh, mm-hmm. this morning, and, and Jackie actually texted me and she said she said you know father could you share with the listeners the wh- how you taught josh and i to pray this is so powerful and transformative in our relationship please let them know that simple method and what it was um okay so we had the nfp lifestyle on where this morning and the the you know life is hard and and uh on its own and even as a christian life is hard it doesn't jesus said in the world you have tribulation and so we need these little resources and things to help us otherwise we're not going to make it you know well one of those things um with my couples what i do is i i I teach them so when they come in it, it, it has to be very simple or they won't do it First of all, the, oftentimes the couples have already been sexually active, but they necessarily haven't been spiritually active where they're like praying with each other. So we got to we, we help them understand the difference and then, you know, just lead and guide them and give them a powerful spiritual experience. They realize, wow, this is as powerful as the sexual experience and God's meant them to be together, you know. So it's very simple. And the emphasis is on the man to ask the woman to pray with him and even if she says no he still needs to pray because he he's sacrificial love um but then he you know he asks and and almost unanimously the women are like yes please this would be a good thing you know and then the man goes first where the woman is allowed to hear him speak to god the father and he just calls on god the father thanks for the day so forth reveals what's on his heart or his mind out loud so she can hear and and not fix him but be in it with him right and then and ask the father's blessing and then turn to his his bride-to-be or his wife and and to um express his his love for her and his blessing upon her right and then it's then it's the woman's turn and she expresses herself the man listens not to fix or you know analyze to analyze to receive so they can hear and then she asks the lord's blessing she explains extends her blessing upon the man and then in the end they maybe you know hold hands or 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 what have you pray the our father together and express their love as well it just but the simpler the better but it's just a simple little thing but the trick there is consistency to do it every day every day every day and it, if that doesn't work something better maybe simpler or maybe something else but the fact that it happens that's the mm-hmm. key thing and then that lines up with balancing the checkbook every day right doing your sign of nfp and your your spiritual health being one but boy if those three things could um happen it's that you pull the weeds out of 
mm-hmm. the relationship, you know. Within that pattern of daily prayer for couples, one of the acronyms that I like to invite people to do, as you mentioned, where each one speaks and the other one is listening to what they say out loud, rather than just completely internalizing that effort of prayer, I like to use the acronym of PAL, Praise ask and listen where the first part you're you know what's what's good that's been happening the second part is what's on my heart what do i need what is somebody that i love need various things like that and then the listen shows that there is that two-way you know uh, dimension to prayer that we're not just an archer shooting arrows at the target and then running away that we need to allow that space and that quiet for the holy spirit to speak to us so yes if husbands and wives in, in whatever form or fashion are able to make that regular commitment how transformative that is in their lives. And then, so, so Father Gross, you and I as celibate men, so it's not like we're just imposing something on these couples that we ourselves don't do. I mean, this is coming from the heart of the church. So every night we have a moral obligation to do night prayer. And of course, there's the church's night prayer, which we, we pray on behalf of all of our people. And it's throughout all the time zones, the whole world is offering up this prayer to God, but th- th- there's a part there of the examination of conscience, and there's mm-hmm. many different ways of doing that, but for me, on a consistent basis each night, you know, as I think of these husbands and wives approaching each other and pursuing one another, uh, on my part, what I do to, there is that they say, okay, where... <laughs> Where was my wife today? How did she speak to me? Did I listen? Like you're saying, pals, you know, listening. And then I'll, I'll go through all the people I've encountered that day, what they said to me. Did I actually hear them? Did I treat them with respect and dignity? Am I actually responding to my, quote, bride in an appropriate way? Or was I mean to her? Did I treat her badly? Do I need to repent of this? And it's very similar to the husband and the wife, so that in the morning, you know, when I'm preparing to sacrifice, I celebrate sacrifice of the Mass in the morning again, am I united with my bride in a real human way as well, not just in a spiritual way? So all the husbands and wives, if they're doing this out there as well, if we as priests are doing this, then we have a healthy church. You know, we, and even though those husbands and wives and extends their children, you know, they take that form of prayer that they've learned, go into their children's bedrooms or their routine of how they put their kids down and pray with them, hear them, listen, bless them, mm-hmm. love them, right? And I think this is a powerful way of keeping Satan out of our hearts, yeah. our minds, our imaginations, out of our marriages, out of our homes, out of our vocations. So we stay healthy as well. Mm-hmm. And the key thing there is listening. Yeah, know? and I think with that examination of conscience, if there are days as priests or religious, whoever is praying the liturgy of the hours, if there are moments where we, uh, or days where we have had desolation, kind of loneliness, or what did I, what did I really do? What did I accomplish for the for the sake of the kingdom today? That we're not just squelching that and saying, well, that means that I'm not going to pray at all. We have a recourse to God. We can give that to Him too. So it's not just we're only speaking to him when we're examining our conscience and, okay, here are the attaboys, you know, pat me on the back for what I did, but where we really need it, where we, where we need lifting up too. So that, that dimension of prayer is, is very important. And as we were speaking about uh, the Apostle St. James, we were talking about Saints Joachim and Anne, these wonderful examples. With next hour, we'll be talking about Blessed Solanus Casey, someone who's a lot closer to our experience in America. So I have a question challenge for you, Father Gross. It is your feast day today. It's your name's day. 
Now, this is very important. I mean this very sincerely. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do to love yourself on your feast day? Is there some special thing? It doesn't have to be big, but some. How are you going to celebrate the fact that your 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 name's well, day is today? What, our fair city of Grand Forks is giving me a couple of opportunities. First of all, I might I might have um, I might treat myself to a nice lunch or something like that. Um, there is a, a concert, free concert by the Grand Forks City Band tonight that wow. I think I'm going to take in at the uh, Historical Society, and then and. And this is a name that a lot of people will know for any number of different reasons. The renowned Johnny Home Band is performing a concert in downtown Grand Forks tonight. So, uh, you know, at least I might hang around until I hear Fishing in the Dark. It hasn't been a Johnny Home concert until he plays the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's Fishing in the Dark. So, uh, you know, there, there are a couple of different things like that. But I was thinking about that, too, that I really need to make this um, a, a day where there is some sort of celebration. And my grandparents' generation did this a lot whenever there was an Antone in the family. Well, June 13th, St. Anthony. Or, you know, a, a James or, you know, things like that. Isidore in the middle of May, you know, various things like that. The names days were um, celebrations that exceeded one's actual birth date in many of these families. So we have to And, and this, is, again, this is important about culturally, like just on the personal level. And I mean that sincerely, loving yourself in the Lord. It's so important. We, we're so busy oftentimes condemning ourselves or tearing ourselves down, but actually letting Christ have victory in us through the saints. And so, this is how we make our reclaim our culture make it exactly make it and fun being i find being catholic it's a lot of fun it's not this dour heavy rules and all that no it's there's every opportunity of joy and celebration all around us in in the lord there's there's so much substance to it to a to a faithful authentic you know catholic spiritual life and those are some of the things that we want to continually share uh on programs like this uh throughout our local portions of the listening area i want to just take a moment here to thank those who submitted their uh uh, questions today for our Straight Talk segment. Remember that this segment takes place at 9.30 Central every single Monday through Friday. So you get your chances five times a week, and I just invite you to jot down particular questions. Maybe if you don't feel quite brave enough to call in, you can submit them on, on uh, through the uh, through the app. You can also do uh, the, the Facebook uh, submission of questions, too. 